Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The inside story on the teams, suppliers and circuits. Inside on RadioLeMans.com. Well, hello everybody and welcome along to a special programme here on RadioLeMans.com. We're down in the south of Spain at the Circuit Monte Blanco, about a half an hour, 40 minutes to the west of Seville in a very pretty part uh, of the country. Uh, a circuit that was built ostensibly for Formula One testing and it is at 1T FIA graded. Uh, a circuit that has almost an infinite number of configurations and a circuit that since Formula One in season testing has been outlawed has been used by various teams, manufacturers uh, and automotive uh, brands for warm weather testing at pretty much any time of the year. Here we are at the beginning of March, the ambient temperature in the middle of the day somewhere near 20 degrees C or over in the last couple of days and it's a perfect place to get rid of the winter blues and perhaps get a little extra testing in before European seasons start. And we're here this weekend with Aston Martin Racing, not just the works team, they open this up to their partner teams with their GT4 and GT3 cars from the UK from British GT Championships, Blancpain Endurance as well of course and it makes for a, a wide variety of teams and drivers and quite a lot of characters here and we'll try and get a chance to talk to some of those in the course of this programme. Uh, first on our hit list here at Monte Blanco is Fernando Ruiz. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a nice little start to the season really isn't it? Yeah it's a good place to start and uh, good weather um, uh, ideal place for, for us to test the kind of things that we're testing as well. Pretty decent season for you last year. You must be relatively uh, pleased with your performance. Not always the, the best of results, but towards the end of the World Endurance Championship season, things seem to be coming together. Yeah, well, we had uh, a lot of things to learn uh, together as, uh, as a crew in, in Car 99, so started getting better towards the second half of the season. Well, we had some some good results, and uh, we knew we could have gotten better results uh, anyway. Just uh, we know things that we needed to improve, and I think we did most of them already. I think we'll be much more competitive this year. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, no big changes to the car, so is it a question of just getting back in there and being quick from the very start of the season? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's a matter of uh, putting all pieces of the puzzle together uh, from day one, uh, from today, and uh, and get everything get everything right. I think we'll be, uh, for sure, we're starting the season much stronger than we were uh, back one year ago. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it will be really good. How much does it change the way that you your mind is at the start of the season, that you have that year's experience behind you, you've raced... All the tracks. Well, we've got the Nürburgring, of course, this year, which is a, a new one. But you, there's not so much for you to, to get your head around, effectively. You can concentrate on, on your own driving skills and, and getting those results that you richly deserve. Yeah, I think it, it, it's I'm feeling much much more much calmer, much easier for me now. Um, you get into a new team and you, you must know everyone, uh, each driver, 
the mechanics, engineers, everyone find the, how to deal with personality of each people and these things, and uh, they consume some energy as well because it is uh, necessary for for success. So I think now I feel as part of, of of the family. I know everyone. Everyone cares about me. I care about them. So I don't need to to worry about these other things. I can focus on the driving and and performance and things like that. Uh, more specific uh, towards our goal, the results in the end of the race. So I think, I think will be will be easier, and I'm feeling much much more chilled and uh, no pressure. <laughs> right now, that's easy to say, of course. But we've got Silverstone coming up for the first round of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Um, it's a track that is often difficult at that time of year. It's often cold. You're not going to get the ambient temperatures that we've got right right here at the moment. It's a track that requires commitment as well. It's a really tough start to the season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, we, we could have raced like last year where uh, completely weather unpredictable. And But I think we will be very competitive there because I think all of us uh, in the car, we know the track well. I had good results there in the in the past years, except except for last year. But the first two uh, WC seasons were really good. I think we'll be we'll be good, and I feel that we are we are ready as a team. We have still have Paul Ricard ahead to prepare a couple last last details, and for sure we'll be competitive. And I think having three cars instead of two in, in GT Pro will, will help us in that direction as well, because we can actually work as a three-car team and, uh, and get more run through more things uh, than usual. So I think we'll be, we'll be good. Disappointed that we're not going back to Sao Paulo, I presume, back to Brazil. Yeah, there's a little pull of the face from Fernando there. It's such a great circuit. There's so much history. We replace it with another European round um, at, the, at the Nürburgring. Perhaps not quite as much history, very different character of, of track. Is there a slight disappointment for you not being able to go back to Sao Paulo? Yeah, for sure. I was I was very disappointed, and uh, I still, when I look in the calendar, and I still I still feel more or less the same as uh, when I first heard it. But uh, I think you know, there's nothing we could do. The circuit needed uh, the changes that they're going going to operate this year, so we'll be good anyway. And uh, hopefully, we'll be back in São Paulo uh, next next season, and uh, we'll replaced by another good circuit, and uh, uh, always. Uh, lots of people to watch the race and German fans are very enthusiastic so it will be I think they made a good choice in, in putting Nürburgring in there plus it's a it's a track that our team knows really well so for us in that in that respect is very good too do you set yourself goals for a season at this at this stage do you have a, a plan of what you might like to achieve for 2015 it can be dangerous. It can work against you, of course. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have for sure uh, unfinished business in Le Mans that I need to to, to think, get things going in a proper way and have a good result there would be ideal. But have a stronger season, you know, without as many ups and downs mm. and uh, uh, more podiums than last year and be fighting for, for podiums every race would be ideal for me, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we can achieve that because... Uh, the way we finished the season last year, it was much better than how we began. And I think we we, we did a, another couple of steps in the right direction since then. So I think we'll be, it is possible for sure. Uh, may mean to have a more consistent season, more points in the end, a uh, strong race in Lima, basically.
wish you all the best in that front. Have a good day today, and thanks for talking. So I'm going to go and grab Alex McDowell, who's standing over here. Can I drag you out to the pit wall? Because I'm actually feeling the cold here. I can't believe I'm I'm saying that. Let's get out on the uh, a little bit of uh, sunshine. Um, Monte Blanco then season not quite started. Before we talk about this year, Alex, let's uh, take a, a look back to, to to last year. It was a. I remember talking to you at the prologue. It's uh, at Ricard just over a year ago. You were looking forward to it, but you were not setting yourself lofty goals. Obviously, you've been a front-wheel drive exponent in the past. How do you feel your, your first season of, of rear-wheel drive and GT, first season of GT racing went? I think it went really well. You couldn't really ask for more, I think. Um, obviously, coming from touring cars, you know how to race, how to go door-to-door. So I was never scared of the competition. I always thought I had one step ahead of them in, in racecraft and hard hard fought racing. So I know it's not what you do in GT racing, but it still it still gave me a good um, it was a good feeder series almost to to um, GT racing uh, coming from a World Series, but um, adapted quite quickly. Um, Silverstone Spa they were good rounds to start with. Mm-hmm. Obviously Le Mans, Le Mans was a bit of a, a disappointment. Um, and then the flyaways, I seem to go up a little bit of a gear and um, find find a bit of pace. So it was good, and Fernando was always a good guy to learn off. He was he was really quick, and whenever he did a good stint, I wanted to do a good stint and try and match him. I spoke you about three quarters of the way through the season, and you said, I'm still learning this. I'm still finding my feet. And I said to you at that time, well... You know how much more is there to come? Because your times were, as you say, particularly when we hit the flyaway part of the season, your times were right there. You were very, very competitive. So, as you've looked back on it now over the winter, do you feel there's even more to come from Alex McDowell this year? Yeah, I think so. I think um, Bathurst kind of showed that as well a few weeks ago. That was um, an epic race. Yeah. Um, you know, I set the fastest lap time for for our car in the race, so it was. It was a good race. It's a it's a tricky one. It's if you can go quick there, I think you can go quick anywhere. So it was good to get another twelve hour race under my belt mm-hmm. um, to start off of a podium at the start of the year is great. I think starting at Silverstone in the WEC is is a good round to start with. Know the track like the back of my hand. So it's it's going to be a good year, and the, the Astons are looking strong. We've got some um, a good driver lineup in the pro pro field. So it's it's flat out from now on. Just been talking to Fernando there, as you saw, he's so much more relaxed at this stage of the season than I saw him last year. You both, of course, have the advantage of, of a, another year's experience of motor racing and a year's experience of the, of the WEC. I asked him this question, I'll ask you, does it change the way that you approach this year, just knowing that you, you've got that year behind you? Um, I think it does, because now we're expected to, to get podiums and win, so... <laughs> So a bit more pressure in yeah. some respect. There is, but then that brings out the best in you. So I think you need that pressure to do well or else you just sit back and not really care about it. So I think the fact that we know we can win um, is a good opportunity to show again what we can do. And to be driving with Fernando again is good. You know, a lot of the drivers in this championship in the GT fields have been together for a, long, a lot of years. So it's... A second year of Fernando's good. We know what each each driver likes, and we're both comfortable in the car now, and we we know all the tracks. So a second year, and it's definitely definitely our time to show. What do you try and achieve 
from a, an event like this. EMR, Aston Martin Racing have done this event with their customer teams as, as well as their works teams for quite a while. There's a selection of GTE cars from the works teams like yours. We've got GT3s and even a couple of GT4 cars uh, on the pit lane as well. What do you hope to achieve from, from an event like this? I think, obviously, just a bit more mileage, um, just familiarise yourself with the car. It's great to see other drivers jumping in the, the GTE and see what they can do. Um, it shows, you know, there's some some quick pedalers in there that just need the opportunity. But, um, yeah, there's no pressure here, so we can test test other things that we can't do at a race weekend, um, get a bit of night running, and just, just have no pressure and try different things because... At race weekend, I can't really experiment. You just have to go flat out, and you don't get much seat time. So it's it's nice just to come here and do a few laps. Last year, as you, as we said, you you felt it was a learning year. What was what was the pleasant surprise for you, and what did you find find hardest transitioning over to GT racing, and indeed, as we said, the rear wheel drive uh, as well. I think mainly. Sometimes when I would go out for my stint, there'd be no cars around me. It's you're almost out there on your own, and it's just trying to get every lap spot on for an hour is is tricky. And then a double stint's even more difficult because you've got to nurse the tyres. So there's all that to learn. Um, and what was the bit that you enjoyed the most from last year? I'd say just driving the car in general. The, a GT car is is much more fun, a lot more downforce. Mm. Um, I enjoyed qualifying in the car. It's it's just a great car to drive. Fuji was was a prime example of that. Qualifying on pole was mm. was great. Um, Fabulous track as well, there, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And the, the fact that we're going back there again is is great. Oh, it seems too well in Japan. Um, yeah, and now we've got Nurburgring on the calendar as well. Which you driven? Have you raced on the Grand Prix circuit at the Nurburgring before? I've raced on well. I've one missed, version missed, of it. I missed one corner. I did the the 24-hour support race, so yeah. did the Norch Life as well. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I asked Fernando this um, second year in the in the championship for you. Do you set yourself goals, and if so, what are they? I think we probably want. Well, I'd say a handful of podiums. I'd like to win a race. I yeah. think at least one win would be nice. Um, and just to maximise every opportunity not to come away from a race meet and think we should have done better. And Le Mans would be a prime example of that, yeah. presumably. Nobody's fault, really, but, you know, these things happen, but yeah. there's something that you've, you want to go back and, and finish that there? Yeah, obviously we've learnt from last year, so we know it's not all about showing your ultimate pace. It's, it's getting the car to the starting grid and then taking it from there on. So I think to do Le Mans as well is is going to be a... You know, a good a good opportunity. You get so much seat time there. So, yeah. the fact that it didn't happen last year and it will happen this year is is much better. Um, no regrets about about leaving touring cars and coming to GTs. No, not at all. I think GTs is is taken off. It's where everybody seems to be going. You look at GT3, all the other championships. Mm. Um, they're all getting bigger, bigger grids. There almost needs to be a new championship for them. <laughs> Wish you all the best. Enjoy the rest of the day here at Monte Blanco and have a great season, Alex. Yeah, thank you. Well, as you can hear, the GTE cars are warming up in the background here at Monte Blanco. Pedro Lamy joins me on the, the pit wall. 
nice bit of sunshine here in the south of Spain. First of all, Pedro, congratulations on a tremendous year last year. I, I remember seeing it many times in commentary. I think that was one of the best years I've seen you drive. You seem to be right in the groove and really enjoying yourself. Yes, I'm enjoying um, a lot uh, the years I'm here back in um, uh, with Aston Martin. Um, I was driving with Aston in uh, 2004 and 2005 and I'm back here and very happy uh, my third year now and um, we'll see how going to be this year. It's It was a competitive year last year, it's going to be no less competitive this year. In terms of the World Championship it seems to be going from strength to strength and it really has established itself in a very short time I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean um, the championship um, it's, it's long uh, but uh, Always uh, Le Mans is the, um, the target to win, uh, first of all. And then, uh, of course, the championship. It's, it would be nice to, to have a good result and win the championship. But yeah, we have to, to do step by step and see what's going to happen. I'll just let them warm up the car a little bit more in the background there. Driving now with uh, a gentleman driver in the in the AM category, does that change the way that you um, approach your driving in terms of what you do in the car or maybe more what you have to do out of the car? Well, I mean, in, in the car I, I drive the same way. I do, always try to do my best and try to, to be fast and uh, give as much as I can information about the car. We're always we need to, to find a compromise for, for a gentleman driver that uh, may, maybe sometimes doesn't want the car like we would like to be and we have to compromise the setup a bit but uh, on the other side we have to try to explain maximum uh, information to, to all the other drivers I mean we do in any, any categories but uh, in this category a bit more because the, the drivers normally they have less experience than uh, that what we have actually and you are very much your car and you and Paul and the rest of the team it's very much a team effort isn't it we always see all the Astons parked together in the pit lane so you are absolutely part of, of the works team yeah I mean it's um, a very um, uh, good uh, ambience in the, in the team uh, nice people uh, all uh, working together and um, uh, different categories, but uh, at, the, at the end uh, we have one on one goal to, to defend Aston Martin uh, brain. Uh, this year, no Sao Paulo. We have the Nurburgring instead, which for us in Europe is fantastic. It means one that we don't have to get on a plane for. We can drive to that very different type of circuit to go racing on, but a circuit I think that will will suit a six hour race. I think so. I mean, uh, it was a good. Um, I mean, São Paulo in Brazil is always nice to be. Mm. And uh, so much history. Yeah. Hopefully, we're going to be back there. But uh, this year, we're going to have Nurburgring, nice circuit, uh, great history. I mean, I, I race a lot there. Um, it's, a, it's a nice circuit, and I, I, I believe we're going to be a good race. No big changes to the GTE cars this year. So a question, I suppose, of just refining the package that you had last year. What's the, what's the key to being successful and being quick in a GT3, in a GTE car, excuse me, as the GT3 
three goes by. As in a GTE car, what's the keys to being quick and and getting results? Well, uh, first of all, having a, a quick car, and Aston and uh, the last years have been quite quick. I mean, after that, you have to just drive around and uh, try to be to be as smooth as you can and push. You need to push, mm. otherwise, the time the times are not coming. <laughs> It's not like the old days of sports cars that some people will remember where endurance racing you drove maybe 80-85%. Now it really is like a sprint race between the pit stops, even for the GT cars, isn't it? Yeah, in the past um, I, I, I think the, the cars were not um, as um, uh, strong as the cars are now. Mm. Now we don't have much problems, so we have to push... Uh, from the first lap until the end, you just change tires, new tires, and push again. Because at the end, the, the, the driver is fresher and just go go on. Uh, in the past, um, some issues uh, stopped the cars. I mean, we we still have some issues. Of course, everybody can have, but I believe now it's uh, it's it's possible to to push uh, from the first lap until the end in a 24 hours race. The reliability we just take it for almost take it for granted nowadays it's it's quite remarkable um, you have been a professional racing driver for more than one or two years now do you still get excited at this time of the year when the season is is just about to start yes i mean it's i think it's very strange uh, sometimes i look to myself and i, I think wow well, what I'm doing here and it's always stressed and feels like the first time it's, it's, uh, well that's it's good fun. isn't it yeah it's great it's great I mean that's uh, when this motivation when this motivation goes off uh, I think I have to stop it's time to stop hopefully until the end doesn't uh, until I, I stop or I, I don't have anything to to, to drive I, I hope I have this feeling because it's nice I mean at the same time it's a bit stressy but it's cool yeah but you've got to go now and drive so I better let you go Pedro thanks for talking to thank, us thank you thank you bye you really do miss the nicest people in GT paddocks and some faces that perhaps you're not expecting to see got Paul Hollywood in front of me now who is really the antidote in terms of the nasty talent show judges. He's one of the judges from the Great British Bake Off and has, uh, has really turned round the way we, we look at cookery in the UK. Um, OK, that's the obvious question. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I've always been... I've always had uh, nice cars. really fascinated with nice cars, you know. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be invited to, to try out one of the GT cars last year with Darren Turner. Um, and of course, what bloke, and certainly what scouser would never turn around and say, nah. So I, obviously I said yes, had a go. And then um, I, I loved it, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I was invited to come along and try the car again, the GT4. Um, so I did a bit of testing at Snetterton, did a lot of sim work, you know, sort of getting used to tracks. And it's, it, I mean, what, you, what I thought of driving before, I mean, I, I drive on the road, I've been driving for 30 years, all of a sudden going on track. It's almost you forget everything. You have yeah. to start from scratch. And um, I ended up coming to Monte Blanco uh, for the last couple of days, testing GT4, getting the seat right for me. And, and I think I'm doing a, a few races with uh, cool. Beach D and Aston. So, it's yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A bit nervous, if I'm honest. You've actually brought up a fantastic 
point, if I'm honest, because most people look at motor racing, and because everybody, most everybody sits in a car for some part of a day, they don't really think of it as that skilled a sport, driving fast. Oh, I can drive fast on the motorway, I just put my foot down. Want to overtake someone? Just put my foot down a bit further, brake a bit later. But, of course, it's when you're on the racetrack, you're already on the ragged edge. It's not just like that, is it? It, it isn't at all. I mean, you always think of uh, cornering speeds, it's catching your apex, it's carrying the speed out. I remember I did a programme with John Surtees, Racing Legends for BBC, and I was talking to John, and uh, I got, this was the part of the reasons why I got into this, because of John. And I said to John, John said to me, do you know how to take a corner? And I sat for a minute and thought about it, and I went, no, go on. He goes, how you want to leave it? And it's these little pearls of wisdom and you, of, of pro racing drivers like John. Uh, and you pick up these little snippets and then you've got to transfer that knowledge, which is, is bombarded on you here, into the cockpit and, and into actually racing the car at speed. And there's some kids here at the moment who are testing as well who are phenomenal. And they, and they just blow all our times away and you're thinking, how did they do that? <laughs> but you're struggling, you're trying to get faster and faster and faster. I'm learning, but it's going to take time, you know. Now, serious question here, what are you like at taking instruction? Because it's a you know, pretty well-known fact that us blokes can't be told anything <laughs> when it comes down to a couple of things. One of them we won't talk about, but the other one is driving. <laughs> I mean... I, I'm pretty good at that, actually. I don't mind because, actually, in my industry, in the baking industry, you can't tell me anything. Forget it. Don't even bother. <laughs> uh, but in this, uh, so different to what I'm used to, you you have to listen. And to be honest with you, I mean, Johnny Adam and Darren Turner have been my mentors. That They're just the gods on the track. And you, you have to listen to them, the pearls of wisdom that they give you. And it makes a difference, and it really makes a difference to your time, the track, your confidence. I mean, I'm a biker. I've been a biker for 30 years. And funny enough, one of the biggest things that freaked me out, which it came out of the blue, is when the first time I put the uh, the race helmet on yeah. with the hand system, yeah. with the fireproof gear, with the balaclava, with the, with the earpieces in, with the helmet, in the car, with the tight car, with the harness, with the webbing up, mm-hmm. I freaked out. It, it was a claustrophobic feeling that you're in a car. Even though you're used to having a bike helmet on? bike helmet the aperture is so much bigger and you freely move your head yeah. you can move around on a bike you're out you can open the visor get some air in but in a, in a race car inside it's one of the things i never do you know what never even dawned on me but it, then it, it hit me and then initially when i first got out i said you've got to get me out of here and i got out of the car for about 20 minutes and just calmed myself down and then i went back in and i was all right i mean i, was, I still get a bit jittery now going in it but it's on, when I'm on the track, I don't even think about it. Yes. But I think it's when you sit and sit in pits, and it's been quite hot here, to be honest <laughs> as well. Um, but I think it, it's that feeling that you're trapped. Yes. But when you're out there, your brain is concentrating on the track so much you forget about everything. And I could sit in there for hours then. It's a busy circuit here as well. Lots of heavy braking areas, lots of first and second gear yeah. corners. Only really the long front straight to have a little moment of rest and look at the gauges and things like that it's a very technical track i mean it's so i mean it's almost like um you've got a beautiful long stretch which you can really open the open the car up on and then you've got a real technical side on the inside it's like some child has been given a crayon and a straight piece of line say draw a line from that one to that one and they'll come up with this track it is i mean it's it's all over the place but it, it is fascinating it is a difficult track i mean i thought i was finding it quite difficult and get, catching apexes getting the speed in but um, it's not just me. I think they're all feeling it, you know, and, and it, it is quite hot here at the moment. But it, it's it's good practice. We're you know? never going to complain about heat, considering what's probably going on back at home at the moment. When you look back then through, you know, your formative years, your dad was in the same industry that you were in now. He ran shops. You worked for him. 
Did you have any time to go and watch motor racing? Were you aware of motor racing going on, Paul? I, I was. I was fascinated with. I mean, I've always been a massive Aston Martin fan since I was a little boy. You know, who, who wasn't? Yeah. But I mean, uh, I think for me, I used to go and watch Formula One a lot. I was fascinated with Formula One. I used to go to Grand Prix a lot at Silverstone, and I really got into it. I think when Mansell really yeah. came to the fore with Senna. And I, thought, I met Senna at um, Silverstone, I think it was 92, 93. Wow. And it was, uh, he broke down on the, had just put hanger straight on it on Thursday. He was just practicing. And I managed to be at the fence, and he me and him. And he came, I said, I don't know what happened. He was chatting away. And then a moped turned up. He jumped on the back and away. He went, that was my five seconds with it and Senna. But no, I, I've always been amazed at what these guys do. Um, and to get a little smell of it here, it, it's just amazing. I often think, it would be nice to be able to bring more people to these type of events where it's a little less hectic to see actually what goes into it because it's not clearly the drivers are the guys who get all of our attention but the pit stops, the guys behind the scenes, the truckies, etc. It's a massive, massive team effort. It's huge. I had no idea. I mean, most people, they're sort of what they're, I suppose, the glory boys of the racing drivers. But the work that goes behind the scenes, some of these guys are here till 10, 11, 12 o'clock mm. at night preparing a car for the guys to turn up and jump in and just go. And it's all assumed that it's just done by fairies, you know. <laughs> these, the, these people turn up in the middle of the night, fix the car and away you go. These guys work unbelievably hard. I mean, the guys are bringing the trucks down for miles, days coming down here. And when you come here, it's all set up. Yeah. And, they, and they look after you. They, I mean, the crew we've got here at Beach Dean are just second to none. I mean, really make you feel welcome. Actually, I was just thinking as you were saying that, that's probably how we think about your job because you know we just go and buy bread because it's happened it's it's magically appeared you know and yet you you're no stranger to getting up half an hour before you went to bed are you no i mean what was hilarious the lad said oh we're getting up at half six tomorrow i said great lion i mean <laughs> the, the, i said i'm used to get out of bed at two o'clock in the morning yeah. um so anytime in a you know after six when the sun's up i'm there but i mean i think for me it's just it, for me it's just tends to put me toe in yeah having a try having a feel and then we'll just see what happens well, hope to see you on another track somewhere later in the season. I've got a feeling we will. Paul, thanks for talking to us. Enjoy the, the rest of the weekend here at Monteblanco. Thanks very much indeed. Cheers, buddy. Well, as you can probably hear, it's beginning to quieten down here at Circuit Monteblanco, which gives us the opportunity in just a few moments, once the last of the Aston Martin race cars have come off the track, to go and have a look at this phenomenal four-and-a-half-kilometre iteration of this beautiful testing facility well here we are then exiting the pit lane at Monte Blanco uh, circuit south of Spain about uh, half an hour or so from Seville it's a long front straight I've got to stay to the right hand side here the solid white line takes you all the way up towards the first corner I'm actually going to break the white line so we can get onto the racing line nice and early before anybody comes up on me. I'd have been called into the steward's office for that. The first corner here is a very tight, more than 90 right-hander, and it sets the tone for the whole of the four-point-odd kilometres because it's a late turning. That means you don't get to the pointy bit, the apex of the corner, too early because there's a right kink straight after it. So many of these corners here at Monte Blanco are... Uh, complexes of corners another hairpin there to the left hand side straight into a right hander again dropping down the hill don't use too much curb on the exit there's a, a nasty drop off there and a right kink which is pretty much flat 
a little bit of a depression in the middle through past one of the three different pit lanes 26 different circuit configurations can be used here uh, at this track and you can also wet the place down if you need to left hand hairpin now this one right on the middle of the infield you can get on the power a bit early and let the car run out to the right hand side of the road there's a left hander coming up but it's a quick one and you need to be brave through here although the road falls away on the outside it is nice and wide here back into the middle of the road there's no need to go all the way to the left because the next right hander is just a kink and you've got to drift gently to the left hand side of the road one of the circuit options coming in for the left is a good place to spot your braking point turning again to this right hander getting a little bit of help from the camber here to the top of the brow but you want to be straight across to the right hand side this is the back chicane and the entry to it the left hander is very inviting indeed the right hander tightens on you and you go across a little bit of a change of camber in the middle of that chicane wait 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 then on the power drop downhill to the infield right hand hairpin I've already lost count of how many turns we've got by the way so I hope you're looking at the track map this is all about patience can't get on the power too early there otherwise you're just going to wash out and immediately again another left hander climbing slightly sunning our eyes now at the late end of the day doing endurance racing here is going to be really interesting down the gearbox again to a left handed hairpin this one you can let the car run a little bit wide but you want to drag the car back to the left hand side of the road because there's a right hander coming nice wide surface here and very very smooth indeed at this point of the track right hander coming as we said but again you're waiting almost driving past the corner before you turn in why do you do that that's a late apex it's because you want to keep the car on the right hand side of the road for this left hander again just about 90 degrees big sausage curb on the inside there that you don't want to hit that's a super late apex because the right hander afterwards is fast we're getting towards the end of the lap and we're building up speed and we're going to go on to that long 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 fast straight pit lane exit just there pit lane entrance should i say just there on the right we're going to stay out wait now get the power on look for the trees on the left hand side there's just a little gap and that taller tree behind the camera point is what you aim at over the start finish line up into top gear and in a racing car i'm guessing you'd be pulling 160 170 miles an hour we're doing we're left than less than that and getting 50 miles to the gallon in the diesel that is a lap of the fia circuit here at mont blanco remember it's a t1 circuit testing for formula one and racing everything up to gp2 it's complex it's a lot of corners to think about it's busy and other than that front straight i'm not seeing very many places that you're going to get any kind of respite again already into this first uh, right right left complex and we're not even doing anywhere near racing speeds this is a, a track that really will test car and driver to the absolute and with the weather that they get down here i'm not surprised it's as busy as it is okay let's stop talking now because i need to get my head around the 164 corners that we seem to have gone round already here at monteblongo radiolamont.com well i've moved down to the motorbase performance team and the running, of course, the Amman Racing Team in the Eventise British GT Championship this year, among many other things. David Barton, the man behind it for 
oh, probably more years than he kind of wants to remember or run up to. Either he's standing next to me. I'm liking, I'm liking this idea of coming early season testing somewhere like Monte Blanco. This is, this is with no disrespect at all to any British circuit. This is a bit special, isn't it? Well, we're based just up the road from Brands Hatch, and uh, when I get pictures from my touring car boys when they're testing, when we're out in the sunnier places, and they're sitting eating, eating wheels, sitting on the wheels eating pie and chips, and we're stood in the sunshine eating very nice food. And this is the place to be, John. I totally agree with you. The the GT side of things, relatively speaking, for Motorbase is a, a new departure. We think of you, particularly with touring cars, British Touring Car Championship, more latterly, what ten years or so with Porsches in Porsche Carrera Cup, among among other things. Why the move to GT? We moved initially with, with Porsche. Um, we felt that we needed a new challenge. We'd done Carrera Cup for a long time, very enjoyed, very enjoyed it. Um, but time came to move on. So we moved to a Porsche in 2012 and we came straight out of the box in British and we won the championship. So, you know, it, it was a good start. I've always liked the GTs, I've always dealt with the GTs and we did a, a dalliance with it in the 2005-2006 period but I just wanted to move into it more and we've done it with Aston Martin now, um, we're evolving, we're growing and we're going to grow some more, we've got, we started with two cars last year, two Astons, we moved on this year, we've, got, we've now got a third car uh, and we really want to grow the GT side of our business, I think it's a really good industry to be in, the people are great, I really enjoy it, you go to some beautiful places, now we're doing Blanc Pan as well and uh, yeah I just want to grow that side of our business. The you talk about coming out here and we were having a bit of laugh about the weather but this kind of event that Aston Martin does for its works teams and of course for its customer teams like yourself I mean it's it's all about seat time it's invaluable isn't it? It's invaluable for the drivers and for the team it's actually great because the drivers get to bond with their own team more you get your four balls and your little problems out of the way and everyone sort of feels more confident with a bit of sunshine and then you've got the connection of Aston Martin being here to readily help you with any issues you know set up issues car issues parts issues they, you know, they're all good people, they all want to see the best for their products and they work with their teams very, very well and I really enjoy this part of the year. It's my second year, we did Porto Mayo last year, here we are in Monte Blanco this year. I'm looking forward to where we're going next year. Yeah, no, I'm waiting to find out where that one is. I want to get my flights booked straight away. The food's good, John, that's the main thing. It's about, it's about the food. You don't get our shape without eating too much. Well, we're just one, one, one meal away from passing out, aren't we, if we miss a meal, me and you. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, a lot of people would say that coming out of British Touring Cars with all of the history that you've got there and still involved in British Touring Cars right, right now, into endurance racing is very different. Now, I'd agree, I would have agreed with people maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but endurance racing now, the levels of reliability that you have in even the GT cars means that you go out there and between pit stops, it's pretty much a... 45, 50 minute sprint race anyway, isn't it? It is. I mean, the, the quality of the drivers and the quality of the cars now is massive to what it used to be. You know, you, you did British GT years ago, you'd had an X-Cup car, an X-Ferrari challenge car, 70, 80,000 pounds. you now got 325,000 pound cars upwards. And that involves your teams and your te- technical side as well. So the racing becomes more intense. It becomes more of a sprint race. The level of the pro drivers that are around now are much better than they used to be. We've had some great guys through our cars the last few years and probably one of our best lineups this year. And, uh, you know, you look at it, it's great to be involved in it. Once the race starts, you're involved all the way through. A touring car race, you just stand there 20 minutes of battling and you rebuild the cars. You know, <laughs> this one, you get to go three, six, 24 hours and you're involved every minute. All, all members of the team are involved in every minute of the cars on track and you're absolutely exhausted afterwards. But if you get it right, even if it's one pit stop, if you get it right, the, the satisfaction of the team is, is really nice and I, I love that side of it. How much do you think, and I know you're a student of the sport and you watch what's going on, how much has the standardisation that the GT3 class cars brought into 
the GT world? How much has that contributed to the rise of national and European GT racing? I think it's a, it's a platform that's given, and it's, it's standardised a platform that's given everybody a chance to sort of achieve a standard. And with the backings of the manufacturers, you know, years ago a manufacturer wouldn't be that bothered about a customer car. No. They're all bothered how good their customer cars are, how good their customer teams are. And obviously, that, you know, as, as, a, as a customer team ourselves, we want to rise through the ranks and come out to the, the top end of it and move on again to whatever comes next. And hopefully, you never know, if we do the job right and we get picked out, we might get some sort of manufacturer deal going forward. You never know. Well, you've done it in the past. You had great great bonds with BMW, of course, back in the very early days of, of their involvement in, in the British Championships. Yeah, I mean, if we bought the Schnitzer cars back in 07 for 08. Probably one of the best deals I ever did was dealing with Charlie Lamb at Schnitzer. And Charlie and Dieter, and Dieter's not with us anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, but those guys... To help me and take my team to another level and Charlie Lamb to this day is a guy I've got a great deal of respect for and from what we learned with BMW and we were running Porsche as well at the same time it, it sets up a platform for us that we've, we've tried to evolve with and take the team forward with you know if I could be as half as good as Charlie Lamb we'd have a very good team one of my very very favourite people in any paddock any around the world I miss him I miss him so much in endurance paddocks the, the GT thing as well though the GT3 thing as well though it gives you the opportunity to go and cherry pick some big races around the world whether it's Dubai or the Spa 24 hours or Bathurst for the 12 hours and that's something that's not, not always been possible if you're running in a class that's country specific that's right. I mean, touring cars is very much British touring cars. is very much British, British touring cars, yeah. and that's your lot. You've got ten events. You can earn your money, do your job for your sponsors. That's your lot. With the with the GT3 platform, it's like a Mastercard. You can stick it in a truck and use it anywhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many places to go to expand your business. You know, I've got aspirations of going out to America. I want to do more international races and Abu Dhabi, Dubai. It's all there if you've got your infrastructure and you work hard on it. It's all there for the doing. It's up to you to achieve that goal. It's, it's been put there for you to get there. And it seems to me now as well with GD4, GD3, GTE, perfect example of all of the three cars here with Aston Martin. Forward into better things. There's the talent there to work with you. You know and understand. You're not working with guys all the time you don't know. Yes. You know We've had a lot of the ex-Carrera Cup guys drive for our team over the last few years. And they've come from Porsche or from the Carrera Cup with a very high standard and that helps them on their journey forward you know I've, I've Daniel Lloyd's with us this year Ahmed came from there Michael yep. Kane um, Stephen Jelly you know even even guys like Daniele Perfetti and Steve Parrish they all came through from Carrera Cup GB with us and have gone on their own way or done their own thing or, or still with us and it's the talent level that the Porsche Championship provides that actually we get to use in other series yeah. so thank you Porsche I miss you I miss you a lot um <laughs> I think Porsche is a great thing, but obviously we've moved on with the Aston at the moment. And of course, the next logical step from that would be a GTE and going into possibly European Le Mans series and Le Mans, because that is the big, it's the shining star that's on the horizon of anybody who's interested in endurance racing and sports car racing. Down the road sometime, and you don't have to give me any trade secrets, is that something that David Bartram harbours as a, as a box that needs to be ticked? I think for any business that's going to move on to GT racing at a certain level, that's got to be the holy grail, and it's certainly one of mine. You know, I've got my team want to do that. We've got a couple of drivers that want to do that. I want to do that. Um, I'd like to go to Daytona. Yes. You know, we did it as I did it as part of a team in 03 with Andy Britnell. Uh, I very much want to go back and do that. It's, there's loads of things I want to do, but ultimately, yeah, it's it's a it's a, a car in Le Mans. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're an LMP team, but we're certainly you know we're certainly an Aston Martin, whatever. 
GTE team or whatever, however you've got to have it or whatever you've got to be. That, that's definitely the holy grail for us. Well, good news is from next year, you'll be able to take your GT3 cars to Daytona. Perhaps we won't have GT3 cars next year. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we'll have something else. Ooh, maybe get the scoop there here on RadioLamont.com. David, thank you very much for your hospitality and for talking to us. Always a pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Love to speak to you. See you again soon. Thank you. I've wandered down towards Pit Out here at uh, Circuit Mont Blanco and Andrew Jarman is uh, with me now, having just pulled the number 27 Eurostar-sponsored Aston Martin GT3 in uh, to our right-hand side. Not a bad way to spend a Sunday morning, this, and that was a decent time out there. Yeah, no, it's a really good start today, actually. Um, made a few changes overnight, and um, that's improved the car, so um, temperature's obviously dropped a bit, so... We expected times to come down a bit, but yeah, no, it's a pretty good start. It's not competitive here, but I, I sense a little frisson of excitement this morning. One or two cars going out with new tyres on this morning, first first thing. What, when you come to an event like this, Andrew, what do you hope to achieve for you and for the team? Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a, certainly. It's, um, you know, today's all about testing, learning about the car, learning about the setup. but you know, we're all racers at the end of the day, so... We do keep an eye on, you know, what times other people are doing in the pit lane. You can't pay too much of attention to it, but um, you don't want to be, ever be at the bottom of the list. So, no, no, that's my job. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Jody Fallon's just got out in the car. We were all really impressed, stunned in a good way, uh, and pleasantly surprised to see the Eurostar name on the side of the car. Fantastic launch event just a couple of of weeks ago. Um, it's not a brand that you'd immediately associate with motor racing and certainly not with British GT you're instrumental in bringing all this about so you better tell us the story yeah so um, we started working with Eurostar um, early part of last year and um, uh, one of my other sponsors um, that I actually work for which is TXM um, we run apprenticeship programs for for, um, apprentices in engineering and motorsport Um, and one of the programs we run is, is for Eurostar um, and uh, as a really a thank you for their business, we invited them to a British GT round last year. Um, fortunately, it was a round that we did very well at, and um, and this, it really snowballed from there. And um, the links, I guess, that yeah, a lot of people would think, you know, what's the what's the link between trains and motorsport? But um, there's a there's a huge amount of high tech engineering in in the the new E320 train, um, and it's about transfer of knowledge and skills. Um, that you know the motorsport guys and girls have um, that, that the train and rail industry can um, can utilise, as well as the branding benefits as well of having the name on the car. I'm intrigued that you brought some people and clearly some influential people along from from Eurostar to a British GT race. Now, maybe at the back of your mind was the the opportunity of talking to them about the sponsorship, but it sounds to me like you're seeing that the event and the excitement pretty much sold itself yeah definitely um it was a really thrilling race and um when we you know all of our sponsors and guests that come along we get them involved in the racing as much as possible um and um it's about you know getting them to see behind the scenes what really goes on in a race team and the amount of effort that goes in from everyone involved in the team um and also the engineering side as well because they're all you know everyone's an engineer whether it's a car a train a plane whatever 
um, it's about inspiring them about that as well. And um, yeah, the, you know, British cheap. We had a great day. It was the sun was out. We had a good race. Um, you know, we did some um, we did some hot laps in the uh, in the lunch break, which British GT kindly put on for us. Um, and we just worked together, worked with the championship to to pull the deal off, which is what it's all about. Let's look forward to 2015 season just around the corner now, really in in, in real terms. And a season that is going to be no less competitive as the last couple of years. The, the GT3 field is—it's—it's absolutely top quality, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I've—I've I've definitely picked the hardest year to come into <laughs> GT3. Um, but it's good. That's what it's all about. You, you know, you always want to race the best people. Where, you know, it pushes you on as a driver. Um, and um, I think you're right. Yeah, this year is going to be probably the toughest GT3 field. Um, in many years, um, a lot of strong drivers pairing, a lot of good teams. Um, so it'll be a tough year, but you know everyone's looking forward to it. The, what was the most difficult part about the transition up to, to GT3 for you? Um, I think the probably the just getting used to the, in terms of the different braking. Um, you've got um, obviously servo on our, our car in the GT4 servo assisted brake, so you've got a different sort of braking feel. Um, that's probably the main thing. The, the powers are nice to have. It's what you, what you always wanted more of in the GT4. Um, and the aero, again, it's more grip. So it's mainly just getting used to the braking, which is what this weekend or this, yeah, this test is all about, really, just getting used to that. And have you felt your confidence growing? This is a, a very technical circuit, 18 different corners. Not a lot of reference points in terms of braking and turning. It's, it's not a simple track to look at from above on the track map and when you're out there there's lots of places that look kind of similar so have you found yourself growing in confidence yeah definitely it's um yeah you're right it's it is got the most corners of any circuit i've ever been on um it's got the most first gears of any track that i've ever been on as well but it's good it's uh, for braking which is what you know what we want to learn particularly it's ideal you know there's there's so many stopping places where you're stopping from well over 100 mile an hour down to first gear so um, it's, it is a, a, a good learning and the weather's consistent as well so it helps a little bit too hot yesterday in point of fact which I, I found slightly <laughs> ironic tell me about working with the guys at, at TF you've got Mike pick up on the wall there that I've just been standing with watching your times coming down impressively in the cooler Sunday morning air here um, obviously Tom Ferry has been around the sport a wee while what's it work, like working with the guys? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I love the team and um, work. You know, working with Mike. We worked with Mike last year in GT4. So this is my first ever season in motorsport where I've had the same team two years in a row. So that consistency really is a big benefit for me this year. And did that make the, the step up in some ways slightly less less daunting? Yeah, it did. Um, we tested last. Tom was very kind enough to let me have a go in the GT3 last year. Um, and yeah, that transition they've really helped me with it. You, you know, there's. The less, the less things you have to learn and come into a new season, the better prepared you are. Um, and it's enabled me to focus on the car. The, the team already know me as a driver and what I like and what I don't like. So a lot of that work was all done at the beginning of last year. And again, it just gives you that little bit more confidence, doesn't it, as you move forward. Jordy, Jordy Fannins in the car uh, out there now at the moment. We'll check his times in a, in a moment's time. Um, I'm sure there's a little bit of competitive edge between the, the pair of you as well. Tell us a little bit about Jordy. Yeah, I, I actually... Good motor racing name, of course. And yeah. I notice he has got the Schechter-esque helmet as well. Yeah, no, yeah, he has indeed. So he's got, he's got the name, so that's the first thing. But um, no, it's been really good working with Jody. I did do a test with him last year. We got on really well. And I think that's really important in a pairing is that you get on well. Um, we've got similar driving styles, which also helps. 
he's a little bit smaller than me or most people um, but uh, but no it's been really good working with him you know he's a good driver good experience and I think hopefully we'll be a strong pairing this year well that was going to be my next question it's it's sometimes dangerous to set goals for a championship particularly when the championship hasn't started although it's not that far away of course to start the British GT championship but you've got to have something to aim for through the season so how do you approach that um, I think Jody and I are very similar on that in that when you compete at this sort of level you've got to go into it wanting to win it because uh, it's you know with the the effort and um, commitment involved you've, you've just got to you've got to beat you there to, to win it not to make the numbers up and that's what our focus is whether that happens or not is another thing but well that's yeah. in the lap sometimes of the racing gods you can't you can't influence everything can you no that's true well, that's yeah we found that out last last year mm. we had a bit of bad luck but it is what it is that's racing that's that's what keeps bringing you back really just a quick final word about this event. Um, not the first time Aston Martin have done this for Aston Martin Racing and their, their customers. Last year down in Portugal at Portimao, here we are at, at, uh, in Spain, uh, just uh, not that far away from Seville, actually. Beautiful city as we drove through it. Um, how important is that to get this first feel of the car in a set? I mean, OK, we've said the track isn't probably like what you're going to drive in the UK. The weather certainly isn't. But what we've had is, by the end of the day, 6 o'clock tonight, we'll have had something in the region of 20, 23 hours running over the two days that you know is guaranteed. Yeah, definitely. That, these sort of tests are yeah, invaluable, really, for the, to kickstart the season. Um, it's great to have... You know, all the Aston family all in one place. Um, you've got that, that really good customer support that you get from AMR. Um, so it's good to have them on hand. Um, and it's, you know, it does set all the teams up really well and it shows the commitment that AMR have got to making you know, all the teams a success um, and supporting them this year. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a must-have from my point of view. And quite a lot of the people up and down the pillar in admiring your paint scheme and sort of asking the same questions I am about Eurostar as well. You've really caused a bit of a stir. Yeah, yeah, we like doing that. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good and the feedback's been brilliant um, on the livery and, and hopefully it's a bit of a fan favourite. It's, um, you know, it's nice to see something a little bit different out there um, and uh, certainly stands out. So hopefully we'll see it at the front of the grid. That's the main thing. Well, enjoy the rest of the day when there's not too much pressure on and then the work begins in earnest for the championship. Have a good season. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Well, the sound of V8 and V12 engines still all around us here as we're in the paddock at Monte Blanco Circuits in southern Spain. Perfect conditions to go testing. Andrew Howard, the man behind Beach Day and Aston Martin Racing, is with us. And... Just seeing before we turn the recorder on there, Andrew, this is the time of year when your mind has to switch back to racing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it, it isn't just a question of jumping in the car. You, you've got to get your head. I mean, at my age, you've got to get your body. You've got to get everything sorted so you get in. Certainly for me in British and doing things like spa, it's become such a professional sport yes. that you, you have to deliver to that. Um, and this is a great opportunity. It, we get the whole team away, we get all the new drivers together, and actually it's a bit of team bonding um, and then obviously some major testing. You, we have to remind people, of course, and it's easy to forget with the way you perform in the car and the fact that you've got this team that you oversee, but this isn't actually your main business, is it? You are still Beach Dean as an ice cream manufacturer and distributor. Yeah, my, yeah, my core business is definitely um, the ice cream side of it, and I have a fabulous crew that run, uh, run the business and do a great job with the business, and uh, my job is to hopefully steer it in the right direction, keep it going, and obviously 
taking over as chairman of a local football club as well has uh, has added a bit to that. So, um, but actually, they all mesh together brilliantly because they're all based around team sports and they're all based around performance and motivating people. So, it, it, people will be amazed how much crossover there is um, in in, the, in each of the three three uh, different types of things that we do. You talk. If you start telling me that it's a season of two halves and you sink as a parrot, I'll I'll kick you in the shins and we'll get rid of the football cliches straight away. This is an event that Aston Martin has put on for its works team and its customer teams for the last few years. It's been at Portimao at the part in the past here in Spain this year, and I suppose the benefit is we've had two days of pretty much uninterrupted running. In fact, the only thing that stopped a bit of running yesterday was it was too hot, which is something we'd never get at this time of the year in the UK. I think, I think, again, the one thing I would say, people do not underestimate seat time, and seat time is critical, um, even to us. I mean, I, you know, I've been in the same car now, this is my fourth season, and even now uh, I'm learning, and, and there is no substitute for seat time. Whether you know, we've got somebody that's in the car for the first time, hasn't even done a race yet, and then we've got the youngsters in, and actually you're constantly learning. So yesterday, temperature went hot, car was horrible, your lap times go off two or three seconds and in your head you've, you've got to start figuring it out and it's like anything it's, I suppose it's like playing golf anything that you can never be the best at mm-hmm. therefore you're always improving and, yeah. and you need that time to improve and this this just this doesn't let you think about anything else I mean it's a fabulous opportunity and I know other manufacturers do it but it's a fabulous opportunity and if you have an Aston and you're racing Aston then you know get this booked because it, it is money well spent for the amount of time you get a great atmosphere away from the track and at the track as well. I can certainly testify to that. Let's look forward to the season. The Avon British GT Championship going from strength to strength. Uh, it's going to be another very, very competitive season this year. With, I mean, really, it's a it is a who's who of, of GT racing now, isn't it? It is, um, and I think British has done brilliantly. My uh, my, you know, being a slight temple of doom, I do have concerns. With um, you know, when you look at Blanc Pond, we pulled out of Blanc Pond. The, the balance of a, a what I call I can't say um, I can't say what I was going to say the older gentleman driver. Um, I think they got the balance brilliantly last year. I just hope there's there's a bit of change this year, and that you know Stefan is pushing for the silver silver. And I, I think the national championship at British level thrives on the pro am. And that competition between the pro-am and, and it, the, the differential between the two. I think when you start putting pro cars in, I think it changes the balance. And for me, I would say if you want pro racing, then go into Blanc Point, which is a stunning championship. Yep. Um, if you want top-end endurance, go into ELMS and you know go to your Le Mans. But if you want top-level pro-am then I, th- I think they've just got to be careful with the championship. And that's where the national level should be in your mind. That's a good point. Um, big uh, expansion this year in the British GT Championship in, in GT4 and that's something that you guys are getting involved with? Well as current British GT4 uh, champions mm. um, I'm, GT4 is fantastic, I actually went out in the GT4 car yesterday, it's the first time I've driven one for probably 3-4 years and the evolution of that car yeah. to what we drove was just phenomenal they are proper little racing cars um, and I think what we're finding, and you know, you look at the two lads from last year. Both of them have stepped uh, stepped up, and, and Ross has done brilliantly to get the McLaren work. I think it it sets you up, and it, it's, it comes back to seat time. You know, you're going to get a lot more seat time in a GT4 
the GT4 Aston replicates the GT3 Aston really, really well. Yeah. It teaches you the balance of the car. It teaches you to go slower is to go quicker, yeah. uh, which is one of the most bizarre things in racing you'll ever do. Um, and therefore, the step-up isn't as big. Um, I think it's great. I think, again, British have got to be careful. Um, I think it's fabulous. And I get the mix competition, and everyone says, oh, look, Le Mans, you have different classes and yeah, different yeah, speeds. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, Le Mans a slightly different track to Alton. So I would say um, Spa, Silverstone, let's chuck them all on the track and let's see what happens. Mm. Alton, I'll put a spare seat in the car, somebody come around with me, mm. and then let's see what people think about mm. how, uh, how tight it is. Suitable. Um, and also you want to bring in youngsters, you want to bring in people maybe with a bit less experience. Really, chucking them in with six GT3s barreling down into Old Hall? Oh, you know, let's let's be careful. So, quality, I think, should be separated. Race, happy yeah. that it's combined. D- d- what's interesting about what you've said there is, though, and I, and I think this is something that uh, that GT racing and endurance racing hasn't had in the past. We're starting to see now with the more defined categories of cars. So, GTE, GT Le Mans, call it what you will, at the at the very top end of GT racing, GT3, GT4. There's a there's an obvious progression there now, isn't there? Well, there is, and I mean, you know, something and perfectly, and actually, perfectly illustrated here. Yeah, and what's fabulous here is that you now have a path. Something we've worked very hard with Aston is we have a GT4, GT3, and there's a GTE coming in about a month's time. The whole aim is there is a path. What What's interesting again with a lot of motor racing is you watch these young lads come in, and and who's advising them? Who who's saying GT racing is is potentially a career future for a lot of lads that and there's an earning potential because you have um amateurs as such as myself that that bring money and sponsorship with it um these lads have an opportunity uh, of creating a career um i think single seaters nowadays is so heavily funded i think um that that's the different thing and I think you've got to have a category. It's the old age of apprenticeships. Apprenticeships in the old days wasn't a dirty word. It was a fabulous word. And these young lads need to serve apprenticeships and prove people want reliability, people want pace. And actually, do you want super pace and off? No, you want reasonable pace and stay on. You mentioned the GTE car. That's something new. Tell us about the, the plans for that and, and how that, that whole project came about. Um, I, I'm very lucky that the Astons that I own are all the development cars. So I own the development DBRS9 and then the development GT3 and GT4. Um, and I've had my eye on the uh, development GTE or GT2 as it was for quite a long time. And um, the way that... It's a nice set, doesn't it? You don't want one missing. It's like when you've got your scale extrics cars. You want them all there. Yeah, don't tell the wife, though. Um, <laughs> um, so I think, I think one for me, I've always wanted to do Le Mans, but I've always wanted to do Le Mans in, a, in an Aston. So actually, I could have done Le Mans three years ago. But um, And you talk about the ambience of, of what this is and where we're down here. The Aston family is a phenomenal family. Um, and it isn't elitist and it isn't, um, you know, it isn't what people perceive. Actually, it's a very welcoming family. Um, for me, I want to do it in that. Um, it's two-year project, three-year project for me. My ultimate game is to be world champion. Um, you know, if I ever get there, then fantastic. But, you know, I'm going to have a go. The interesting thing about that is, of course, I'm standing here nodding, and I will continue to nod afterwards and not go, he's completely bonkers, because we, 
we have a sport in endurance racing where that is a genuine, genuine and achievable ambition. And there's not really very many sports at the highest level where you could say that as a non-full-time, non-professional driver. I won't say as a gentleman, I won't say as an amateur because nowadays the amount of time that has to be committed to it, whichever side of the driver grading line you are, is 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 pretty full on but the fact that you can have that ambition and genuinely have that ambition it's a it's an unusual thing at the level that we're talking about in sport and i think again interesting for me getting involved in football and you know having being involved in other sports there is there are certain things that you strive for so le mans is something i strive for i i we're doing the festival this year and i'm doing it in the gte so very excited we think that the other two cars are going to be there as well. So for us, fantastic family set. Um, so the next step is Le Mans, to finish Le Mans, um, and then ELMS hopefully next year. But yeah, how cool is it? And it's a proper world championship. Yes. You know, it's not... And I think that's what's so cool about GT racing, is that it, it, it allows people... Yes, you have to be professional. Yes, you have to work hard and, and you have to... But, but how cool that you can do that... Um, well, you're a chairman of a football club now, even if you were Roman Abramovich, an owner of Chelsea. You can't pull on the goalie shirt or the number nine shirt and go out and play on a, a Saturday afternoon. Well, you could, but, you know, we'd all look a bit bloody stupid, to be, be quite honest. But it, this is a sport where you can go and compete at the same level as a Darren Turner or a Stefan Mucker or a Rob Bell. You know, it's, it's possible for you to do that. Yeah, and I think, I think there's, a, there's a group of us out there now that are competing in our own... Mm-hmm championship if you like you know there are some some really cool and really good quick drivers you talk about football it's, it, it actually helps me at the football a lot of people who get involved in football clubs feel that they do want to they, they pick teams they get involved in stuff and it's and it's great so for me because I have my sport that is mine I can be unconditional with a football club I don't have to interfere yeah. you therefore delegate to professional people mm-hmm. But that's all you do here. You know, you delegate to your engineer, you delegate to your data guy, your, your yeah, You're not taking the gearbox apart and changing tyres, are you? No, and I, and, and I never touch... You know, for me, I'm lucky in Johnny that I've got a lad that coaches me and works with me. But it's also a new skill set. You know, we all get to the top of our game in, in industry or whatever we do. How cool is it that then we have to go and work? And there's the, the guy said to me this morning, he goes, just remember you're a driver. And that's all you want as a... As an amateur driver, you want to be viewed as a driver. You don't want to be viewed as the checkbook. You don't want to be viewed as the person that owns things. You want to earn the respect of everybody as a driver. Um, and it's biz- it's a bizarre sensation because they shout at you, they tell you. But if you want to win races, you have to listen. Yeah. Let's uh, come back to this year and the and the the substantive championship you're involved in is the is the British GTs for the moment and exciting news about the plans for ELMS and and world championship aspirations in in the future but the British championship notwithstanding what we've we've been talking about it continues to grow it continues to uh, draw more uh, and varied media and considering where it was Andrew not so very long ago when you and I can both remember what a dozen cars I saw in the championship, the the influx of GT three regulations have clearly helped. But the guys at SRO and Benji in particular in the the early days of its renaissance have have really turned that championship around. I think I think 
in any championship, you're never going to please everybody. Nope. I think what's great about Benjamin is he understands and he puts the championship first. Mm-hmm. And again, he will ensure and he protects his championship, um, you know, slightly differently to Blancpain. And I think, and I've said this many a time, I think a lot of um, praise needs to go on to Benjamin because he has kept that championship. So what I'm talking about, silver drivers, listen, if, if I can, we've got a touring driver, touring car driver that's in my class. If I'm within a second of him, I'm going to take that as a massive yeah. positive. Yeah. Um, so, and, so I, I don't, you know, we will race whatever sits on the grid and we will respect the regulations. Does that mean that we won't challenge the regulations? Of course we won't, because that's what you should do in sport and that's how you should operate. We should operate to the edge of the regulations and not beyond them. Um, I think it's brilliant. And for me, this is my last year probably in British. Um, hopefully then I can bring some of the youngsters through into GT3 next year as I move up. Um, I think I, you know, I think if you can get top three in British this year, I think you, it, I think it's a, a job well done. And is that the grounding that you feel you need looking forward? And I know that you watch what's going on elsewhere. So if you're talking about ELMS, you've already looked at ELMS. Is that the grounding that you need to go forward to the European Championship and the kind of skill set that you'll be able to take there, where it's another challenge mixing it with prototype cars p2s and p3s as it will be um in a season's time so i think 2000 and i think it's 2011 or 2012 we did one round of WEC. and um, for me i wanted to experience what that was like so when the lad puts the board in front of me now as opposed to having time pit stops in WEC, you don't have time you you have the mentality now when the board goes you go you can't start the engine until you drop so all it does is it teaches you to operate at a higher level and then when you come back to the other level, you understand the benefit of what you're doing. For me, we tried Blancpain. I don't think Blancpain um, represents what ELMS is. Um, In th- what respect, Andrew? I think, I think Blancpain is um, I think it's an intense sprint race. Yeah. Um, and I think the reality of ELMS, what I like about ELMS is, and I like about the WEC is, if I do a, an hour or two hours, it's about how good am I to hit my times deliver and be consistent so it's a massively individual challenge you know I did spa last year I had a, we had a great team you know we worked hard I think I was four seconds quicker than I've ever been everything everything was lined up to go you can't do a lot when there's a car stationary at the top of a rouge so whereas if you look at the incident and you're right I have looked at it and I've done a lot of work on it if you look at the incidents and the, the risks, so for me, Blancpain is much more of a lottery. I'm cool with it. I'm ha- that's how people want to race. That's cool. I think ELMS and WEC is, is um, less of a lottery and more down to the skill. If you back yourself, I think it's a better platform um, to deliver on that. Um, so that that's why I would want to do ELMS. I love Bridge GT. I love the intensity of it. But actually... I want to sit and I want to do a two-hour stint. And it also gives you the Inter Le Mans, of course, with the same machinery, which is GTE. But there's a cost implication there in that a GTE car is another step up in, in cost than a, a GT3 and a GT3 is to a, a GT4. Yeah, and that's why we're doing it like we're doing it this year. So what I tend to try and do is I tend to look at a programme a year or two years ahead. I then, um, from my point of view... Uh, my car will be used on other things so you know these are assets and people have to remember that um, 
you know, we're constantly looking for sponsorship and we're constantly looking for the best opportunity. Uh, so if a sponsor comes on board, we've got a, a new truck sponsor this year and, you know, he knows that if we go forward, then he's involved yep. in the programme going up. What you have to do then is don't don't use money you haven't got. So for me this year, it's about raising a budget for next year. Um, last year was about raising a budget for this year and it's... It, it's just making. Would that you were in Formula One, we wouldn't have that much trouble with people not being able to pay their bills. It's it's actually not rocket science, though, is it? Because you're looking at it from a, a sound, solid business background, and not losing your head as soon as motorsport comes into the mix. Well, it's, it, bizarrely, it stood me in great stead in the football and and coming into motor racing. You know, I've I've always said we generally try and have our budgets in place by October. We then sit down, we look at what budgets we've got, and then we say, this is what we can do. Now, I I could have taken a punt two years ago, gone and done Le Mans, but I wouldn't have done anything else. So for me, it comes back to this seat time argument, GT3 this year, GTE next year. The other thing for me is I can't swap cars. Yeah. Um, and we will have to look for drivers that join us with budgets. Yeah. The beauty about GTE is there aren't many GTEs out there. Yeah. And you've got a lot of single-seater budgets coming into GT racing. If you're, if we're bright with it and we manage it well, you suddenly become a saleable opportunity. And that's what you are, you know. So I then have to prove that I'm good enough to drive with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's a it's a cool business model. And if you haven't got it, don't do it. Seems a long way from the Beach Dean Mini now, doesn't it? And we got to remind people that you just didn't drop in to GT racing well bizarre thing is Ross Gunn that's driving for us this year his dad got me into racing so he uh, he wanted me to sponsor him and I, I, sold, I had a fire blade ridden a bike all my life um, pregnant wife forces sale so I <laughs> I sold the bike and um, didn't tell Susan went and Ian said go on have a go in the Mini Miglia which I did at Mallory and I think I, I bought a Mini Miglia for the same price I sold my bike mm-hmm. couldn't afford to run it went and got Cadbury's to sponsor us um, so for me I have a massive debt with Ian uh, I raced with Ian for two or three years before I sat at Spa and watched Bell Car and watched the GTs mm-hmm. and I sat mm-hmm. for four hours watching them go through a rouge I couldn't move and I thought that's what I want to do yeah. Peter Cook driving a GT2 with it Neil Cunningham at, at Knock Hill um, so for me it's brilliant so it, you know, and that's cool for me. And that's, that's been a how long journey now from that, that Cabris Mini? Hey, listen, um, I was novice champion in Mini Miglia. There were only two of us in it, <laughs> um, and the other guy dropped out halfway through the season. But you know, you don't add that uh, two thousand. And then I've had four years out of racing in that period, managing teams and, yeah. and working obviously with Nigel. Um, in it's that old thing, isn't it? It's taken you fifteen years to become an overnight success. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and I wouldn't say overnight success in any way. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I was rattled last night, uh, yesterday, with the temperature in the car. Yeah, it, it's gone well today, and a lot of it is mind games. I always say you've got the ultimate lap in you; your mind will slow you down. Um, and really, what you've got to do is everyone can do a quick lap, right? Now get your mind in place so you do a quick lap on a consistent basis. And that is the cool thing because every single time you go out, you know you can improve. Yeah. You know, it's just and it, it is a, it's just stunning. And I, you know, I got in the car yesterday, and new circuit, and you just smile. And he is, 
Thanks for your time, Andrew. Get back and do a bit more hard work and wish you all the best for this year and the plans for the future. No problem at all. Thank you very much indeed. Now, everybody that we've talked to so far is uh, someone that was probably known to you, but come across uh, a driver here in Jamie Chadwick, who perhaps you don't know so much about. First of all, Jamie, welcome to uh, Circuit Monte Blanco and uh, enjoying some unseasonally un-British weather. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, first proper day in the car uh, yesterday and um, enjoying the hot weather, getting used to sort of testing in some proper heat. The car's getting a lot hotter than I'm used to, so yeah, just getting used to it all. It's really cool because I've never been in a place with so many Aston Martins, so many cool people, and <laughs> yeah, it's probably cool. I don't think there's a racing Aston Martin left in the UK this weekend, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, what's your background in motor racing? Did you have the traditional start in karting and work up through single-seaters? Uh, no, not really. I started in karting, like most people, but relatively late when I was about 11 or so, so nowadays... <laughs> That's really late. <laughs> yeah. You were five years too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then um, I entered the Janetta Junior Scholarship when I was 14, and then I won that, um, fortunately, for, so I had a free seasons racing in 2013. So that was really exciting because it meant that I got to learn circuits in a great environment on the Toka package where there were sort of hundreds of people coming to race weekends watching and the TV coverage so I learned a lot there and then I did the same again for the next year because I was limited by age as to what I could do um, and then yeah had a good season there got five podiums and then looking at it into this year I was sort of looking at single seaters and things and realistically GTs is where sort of the careers are at and where there's the most opportunities to sort of make something from it so that's interesting you say that yeah. because I dare say if we'd been having a conversation with somebody of your age possibly even only 10 years ago, yeah. their answer to that question, where's the career going to be, wouldn't have mentioned GTs at all. So you've looked at, at GT and endurance racing and thought, hello, I can, I can make a living out of this as a professional racing driver. I think there's been a massive change recently um, over the past few years as to GT racing really coming into its own. And I think you're seeing that from a lot of the top drivers, even in F1 jumping over to GTs. But... For me, looking into it, especially at a young age, because even now you're getting a lot of people very fixated on going single-seaters and thinking that that's where the career is at. But for me, at the minute, I definitely think with manufacturers like Aston Martin, Porsche, Toyota, all sorts out there, they are definitely around to financially support and help out drivers coming through. And all these companies go racing to sell road cars, so yeah. there's so much more to it than just going out and driving. And There's a lot more in terms of being part of a team and working with the manufacturer, working with developing the cars and helping everyone out rather than being quite so... How, how much a part of that decision-making was the fact that you had your first racing experience in cars in Genetta? Because clearly they've got a very now well-developed ladder almost, all the way up from junior um, through the senior ranks into G55s and possibly... Even, I suppose, into LMP3 now uh, is the, the way you look at it. Now, I've been fortunate to drive a G55 Super Cup car and race it. Great piece of kit. And, you know, was that an influencing factor that you'd, you'd had that experience behind you in the Janetta? Yeah, for sure. I think Janetta are fantastic. They're a great family in Leeds and they supported me through the scholarship and through last year's racing. And they have shown actually not only just to go down the tin top route in terms of touring cars and things like that but also single seaters they've supported Seb Morris and things through there but in terms of GTs they were willing to support me but with the Aston Young Driver programme things like that you really couldn't get much better um, but Janetta are fantastic and I think there are a lot of drivers coming out of juniors that are exceptionally quick and I 
I know I'm young, but I think every driver in a junior championship in the top six or so could, are capable of jumping into an Aston Martin and performing in it, I would say. What have you got out of this weekend so far? There's still a bit of running to do today. Everybody can hear the cars are out on track. What have you got out of this experience down here so far this weekend? So before the weekend, I had a bit of a chance to get in the car, get used to sort of what it's like using the control scenes and everything and the assist because it's a big step up from what I'm used to. But uh, this weekend, I've had a chance to sort of get into the rhythm, get used to the circuit and things, and then start looking at a bit of development work with the car, start working on some setup and the balance and things, which is something that I really enjoy doing. I really enjoy working with the engineers. And also, I've just got a new teammate in Ross this year. And... Um, yeah, it's good to be able to work with him, work off That's him. Ross Wiley? Uh, no, no, Ross Gunn, sorry. Ross, sorry, Ross Gunn, yeah. Yeah, Ross Gunn, he's um, ex-single-seater guy, so he's obviously bringing his single-seater experience and I'm bringing my more saloon car experience together and we're hopefully working really well together. And what's the plan for 2015? Sorry, I should have asked you that ages ago. <laughs> um, I think I'm in a championship-winning car with a championship-winning team in an Aston Martin so I think realistically we've really got to be looking at winning races and this is in British GT in GT4 yeah sorry yeah British GT GT4 is our main campaign at the minute Um, there may be some other races that crop up over the year but we're just taking one step at a time at the minute and obviously British GT is going to be our main focus now you keep mentioning how of tender years you are how old how old are you so I'm 16 at the minute so yeah youngest in British GT I still haven't got my license yet I need to go to Mondello Park and get some license signatures and things but yeah once I've got that done uh, I think the pairing of us so Ross and myself are our combined age is 34 so very young you have no idea how old you've just made me made me <laughs> feel now I'm sure that people we'll treat we treat you as a driver there will be people who make a point of the fact that you are a female driver Coming up through Carning, um, racing against lads and lasses is not unusual. What happens between the end of Carning and going into cars where we see some of the girls drop away? Some very talented female drivers as well. You're 16 now, you're still clearly very keen on making a career. But is there any light that you can shed on that? Because I've known down the years many young good carters who've just disappeared. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know either, because for me, I work on very much of a basis that I, as soon as I've got my helmet on, I don't see it as being any different, I don't no. even think about it walking around the paddock, I don't... Neither should you. Yeah, I don't even sort of recognise it, but I think whether they do or not is a bit different, but I'm not too sure whether in karting everything's quite comfortable, um, and then the step up, it suddenly becomes you have a bit more of a job to do, it's a bit more professional, you're not coming out for a weekend away, you've got a job to do, and there's a lot of work going on, um, and also, to be honest, motorsport's getting ridiculously expensive nowadays. Yes. Um, and I think you can't forget that factor that there's a lot of people very, very talented out there denied of being able to drive and lots of things because they can't afford to do it, um, which is a shame. But I couldn't tell you why girls aren't coming in as much. But is there any is there any peer pressure from your friends, from the people around you that says, well, that's that's a bloke's game that, that's not a very female thing to do and, I, and I'm not saying that I believe in that because I absolutely don't yeah. but it, is there, do you, have you had any of that pressure that, you, that might have forced somebody to think differently someone who wasn't perhaps as focused as yourself uh, no I think to be honest all my friends and family and things they're all sports players so they're all competitive and as am I if I wasn't in motorsport I'd be in some other sport <laughs> trying to do something and I think that competitiveness and that 
strive to do something, you kind of lose sight of all the barriers that are in the way. You kind of just are fixated on the job. Um, so for me, I don't really see it like that. But what I do see is that I am here. I wouldn't be here just because I'm a girl. I wouldn't want to be here just to drive around at the back of the group. I want to come here and win races. Um, like any other driver, you're yeah. judged by results and times, aren't you? Absolutely. Ultimate ambition then? I think to realistically to become a professional GT driver. Um, I think GTs are the way forward, especially over maybe LMP1 and prototypes given the expense of things. Yes. But um, yeah, to become a professional GT driver and I think to stay within a family like Aston Martin Racing or whatever manufacturer it is would be absolutely incredible. Thank you for your time. Keep up the, the very good work. I've been watching your times and so has everybody else up and down this pit lane. You've, you're clearly uh, showing your talent off to its, uh, to its best here and we wish you the best of luck in 2015. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, just outside the back of the pit lane now, outside the Aston Martin Racing Garages towards pit in here at Circuit Monte Blanco. And uh, bumped into a returning EMR driver, Rob Bell. What, a couple of seasons since you were last with the, the boys from Banbury? Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back. Um, as you've rightly said, I've been here before. 2013 was great to be asked to drive Aston at, at Le Mans. Um, and yeah, I've always kept in touch with John. And, you know, it's a small paddock, so you see yeah. each other. This is John yeah, Gore, the MD of, uh, of Aston Martin Racing, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we got on well. Um, I've always been around, you know, I know the guys here. We had a good time in 13. And absolutely, absolutely fantastic to be back. Um, and in a sunny Monte Blanco test. The, these early season tests, I mean, the, it's a. It is a test track here, and the, the, the configuration we're using, although it's quite long, is is a, a bit sort of car circuit stop-start, but valuable miles under the wheels of all of the cars. No massive changes in the cars during the winter, but particularly for you, I'm presuming, Rob, a chance just to reacquaint yourself with the machinery. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're not doing too much set-up work here for Le Mans, for example. <laughs> but, actually, it's more getting in, you know, I'm used to be driving McLaren, I drove a Ferrari at the end of last year as well, so it's and the Viper of course in mm -hmm. 2014 uh, over in, in the States, so all of these cars you get in essentially are the same you know, throttles in the same place, brakes in the same place but all the buttons are different so where yeah. one pit limiter is, it might be the radio on the other car <laughs> which, can, which can throw up a few problems but getting here, getting back into the familiarisation with the steering wheel working with the guys it's more about that sort of side of things before I then go to Spa and when I go to Spa WEC race that's the time to then get tuned in get used to the you know grip levels um, and then move forward on to Le Mans so it's Spa and Le Mans again and we should make the point that you're still a McLaren factory driver as well so hang on a minute best of both worlds here plenty of envy from people listening in well, from what you've said and reminding us about how much you did last year, clearly the, the deal that you have with McLaren is, is fairly flexible and they're quite happy to have you going and, and getting this other experience. Yeah, they've been great. Uh, and when I did go to McLaren in the first place, my background is GTE. Yeah. Um, and they always said, look, you know, Le Mans, we, we know Le Mans is a special race uh -huh. um, and we're happy for you to go and do it. So if that, you know the spa race is the warm-up to Le Mans mm -hmm. so they're happy for me to do it um, which is brilliant from them I'm, I'm really pleased that that they let me do it um, and hope, hopefully 
you know, they might be there in the future as well, you know. So there's this method potentially in the madness, but <laughs> essentially to drive for two fantastic British marks yeah. in the biggest race or oh. or at all, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty happy chap right now. Stefan Munger and Darren Turner are one of the teams in any of the classes in endurance racing. It's you know, it's like Dindo Capello and, and Alan McNish. You know, it is a team that one thinks of immediately as a partnership that is enduring and very collaborative. How is it as a, an outsider stepping into that? How difficult or easy is it to get in the middle and make that duo a trio? Kind of, there's two sides to that, I suppose. I've driven with Darren before, so I did the, I'm not sure what season it was now, 2010 ELMS season with Darren in the Aston with JMW so I know what he's all about that, that's easy to work out and, and Stefan's a proven you know, proven driver who's who's quick and, and gets gets the job done so so in one respect I know what I'm coming into mm. but you know there's obvious pressure there to come in and, and perform so that's... But you don't want to upset their dynamic either do you? I think they I think we are all young enough old enough experienced enough whichever <laughs> take your pick of the three I think we're all wise enough to, to, to get in there. We know what we're all about. We've proved ourselves, which doesn't mean we don't have to prove ourselves again, but we have proved ourselves up to now. And I've been asked back, so it's quite nice to be asked back. It's like, you know, 2013 was my first time with Aston. Right, you did a great job. And uh, we want you back again. So I've come in with a bit of a hand on my shoulder, as if, you know, they know what, they know what I'm all about. They wouldn't have asked me back if they didn't think I could do the job. But actually, as a driver coming in, you still want to perform. Yes. But getting in with them, it, it's not like getting into an old pair of shoes, you know, as in comfortable. But I know the guys yes. were the same sort of size and height, so that side's easy. They're easy to get on with. I hear um, drivers talking about, oh, we have a similar driving style. And, and, you know, and clearly you can never have, if you're in a car where you have two other driving partners co-drivers you never have a car that's set up purely for you as you would have done in your single seated days but when people talk about driving styles what what are they talking about Rob? Well as I think it does stem from the single seater side of things I think when you get to GT your whole world's full of compromises so you're in a single seater you're by yourself which we've all done we we set the car up to how we want it and that's on that given day how we feel it best but when you come into the GT world you soon learn that actually it's all about compromises and your driver's style then is closer to everyone else's, I think. So there's there's no one who I've ever driven with, actually, who's really wanted much different to what I've wanted. So, And that's what? Do you prefer a car that pushes slightly, has a bit of understeer, or do you like the car on the nose so the back end's a bit loose? I think most pros would prefer a front end that's doing its job. Yeah. So if you can turn, break, in. turn in, get to your apex, then... And if there is a little nervous, then that's your job to catch it and get get it, you know, under control. And the exits, kind of, you know, you got a bit of TC to help you out. So, I think I think you've got to get the nose in there. You've got to get the front set settled. Yes. And actually, in the Aston, that's not too difficult because we've got the engine over the front, yep. pretty much. Um, so you're getting it turned in and rotated well before the apex. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then and then if you can do that and then get a nice exit. Your quids in because you're quick down the next straight, which is what it's all about. Talking to Pedro Lamy earlier on while the cars were getting warmed up about just how, in a relatively short space of time, certainly in, in my lifetime, obviously you're a hell of a sight younger than me, 
that we've changed the way that we look at endurance racing because it isn't the place that people go at the end of their career anymore. It's not the place where people can go and tool around at 80, 85%. Because between pit stops, it's, it's a sprint race between pit stops now, isn't it? Yeah. In every class. Absolutely. So when I did single-seaters, you know, you're very much focused and blinked on Formula 1, Formula 1, Formula 1, which is fine. And you kind of look at endurance as, so this is, you know, 10 years ago, as some, as you've just we were very out. young there, very 14 with hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. You look at it as, as something that maybe you do after you've tried to get to Formula One. But but now there's more and more people realising that the Formula One route is so difficult financially, and GT now I'm in it is such such a good sport. Absolutely fantastic. The you know, I, I How long have you been a pro driver now in GT, i.e. being paid? Because that's, that's what we're really talking about here, the chance to make a career and pay your mortgage out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So 2007 right. was probably the first year. Right. 2006 was a bit of a freebie, but my first taste of, as a full season with LNT, actually, mm-hmm. which was brilliant. Uh, and then after that, so, yeah. so that would be 2007 onwards. Um, but, yeah, rightly so, young lads are are looking at GT racing and, and you're right it may be so I spoke to Dave Price a lot mm-hmm. uh, who I get on with and respect hugely uh, I think everyone does um, he was heavily involved in GT and sports cars yep. when, when I was doing single seaters uh-huh. and I, I drove him in single seaters and he always told me about this you know brilliant sport that was sports cars but he kind of talked about when he ran Merck he set set one hair off, one car off as the the yeah. hair and another as a tortoise, you yeah. know, one really went for it, yeah. but probably was going to break down. Mm-hmm. And then the other one maybe didn't push 100%, but finished the race and hopefully won. I think those days are gone. Like yeah. you've said, this to me, the last, certainly 2013 Le Mans was a, was a sprint. It was a 24-hour sprint, end of story. And all the other races I've done, six-hour, you know, every lap I do in a car is, is a quality lap. And that's how it has to be these days. And and I think maybe that's even more of the attraction for young people yeah. coming through because yeah. gone are the days where, oh, you can just relax a little bit and, you know, you've got to be young, you've got to be fit, you've got to be bloody hungry mm-hmm. um, to, to be successful now. Well, sitting in a car for sometimes three hours at Le Mans in, in temperatures that are mm, difficult... Difficult for us to comprehend. Um, absolutely, you've got to be you've got to be sharp. Don't have anybody tell us that drivers aren't athletes. That's an argument that I'll fight every every day of the week. Although I'm possibly not the the one to, in my shape to uh, to be the best exponent of that. So Spa and Le Mans again, two classic circuits, two big big races. Um, you're clearly looking forward to it, and you know you've been a pro a wee while now. But these opportunities are still something that you get excited about. Absolutely, and. You know, Le Mans, from the first time I did it to, to now, I always see it as this could be the last time I ever do it. Uh-huh. It's not something that you can just sign up to. You know, Don't take it for granted. Absolutely. So, so in that respect, it's a big deal. It really is. Um, and again, I go back to the, sort of my week, week-to-week stuff now with, with McLaren. It's fantastic. And I really genuinely hope that they do come back to Le Mans within... You know the convergence rules I yeah, talked yeah. about. I know they keep going up and down and oh. failing and starting, but in 2017 that could be a possibility. Um, and I know they're keen to do it, but essentially I'm looking at this as my last Le Mans. You yeah. know that that that's just my how I look at it because yeah. it's such a special race um, to be involved with Aston 
uh, you know what what a fantastic way to do it um, and it, it's a pleasure to be asked you've got to perform and I think how I treat it is you know it could be my last one I think that'll get the best out of me as well well good luck on that I hope it's not your last one hope we see you there for many years to come uh, at least I'll have someone to talk to who understands what I'm saying and almost uh, and uh, well, welcome back to Aston Martin thank you very much John cheers Rob Bell there bringing almost to an end our coverage from this two-day test in southern Spain. Hope you've enjoyed our inside, our behind-the-scenes look uh, at Aston Martin Racing and their customer teams in their pre-season testing. And I should say thank you very much indeed to John Gore and the rest of Aston Martin Racing for making this happen and to everyone here for giving of their time so generously when they've had so much work to do and programmes to get through. As you can hear, the cars are going back out now to take advantage of this fantastic weather and get the last bits of pre-season testing in. I thought you might want to join me on the pit wall as I turn my face to the last vestiges of Sunday's sunshine with a brilliant accompaniment of V8 and V12 Aston Martin engines. Engines, of course, that we'll be hearing throughout our live coverage of the best endurance races and series throughout 2015. And I hope you can join us for that here on RadioLamont.com. Inside story on the teams, suppliers and circuits. Inside on RadioLeMond.com. 
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.